Hello everyone and welcome to Placing Faces, the show where we sit down with some of the most influential casting directors in all of Hollywood and across the entertainment spectrum. I'm your host, Charlie Chappell, and today we're going to be talking with Denise Chamion. Denise is a delight to talk to and even more fun to listen to. She believes in giving back, both in the casting community that she works in and the community at large. We have links in the show notes, so be sure to check that out when you have a chance. Denise's casting work is full of fantastically entertaining projects such as Big Fish, Saving Private Ryan, Minority Report, A Cure for Wellness, The Man in the High Castle, Deja Vu, The Smoky Mountain Christmas, The Maze Runner movies, The Transformer movies, Eyes Wide Shut. I could go on and on and on, and I do in the interview itself. But I think it's best to just let her do the talking. I hope you enjoy, and I hope that you learn as much as I did. Thank you very much for having us in your office today uh, and taking a little bit of time to chat with us. I'm happy to be here. So before we jump into anything to do with casting, one of the things that I found in my research with you is you're involved in all sorts of organizations. You're on the advisory board for the Felix organization, which provides experiences to enrich the lives of children in the foster care system. You're also a supporter of the Campbell Hall School Children's Hospital Los Angeles. But I was really interested in what's going on with the Felix organization. How did you become part of that organization? My friend Sheila Jaffe, Mm -hmm. who is also a casting director, was the person who introduced me to the organization. I was friends with her before she started the organization. Uh, And because it was foster children, and she had been adopted, I really felt that it was a place where I could ask people for donations and reach out to people very comfortably and, you know, make a difference in that world. Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in donating to causes that are near and dear to your heart. I think we have to give money to different organizations because we can't count on the government to do it. So when I find something that is meaningful to me, then, you know, I get involved that way. And you're certainly involved in a lot of things, like the Children's Foundation and and the hospital here in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Were those kind of the same sort of situation where you just got Yes, I I had a very close friend whose son had a brain tumor, and um, he was seven years old, and I spent some time with my friend Todd in the hospital, and then he started volunteering his time there, um, clowning, and also making, you know, huge spaghetti dinners for the nurses, and so I started donating money to children's hospitals, Mm -hmm. I also feel that, you know, the more successful I become and the more I'm remunerated for that, you know, I have to kind of give back to people and to the city sure. in certain ways. So. Well, I think that's wonderful. Um, so uh, let's actually start talking about your career, your life. Uh, and I guess the best place to start is the beginning. Where do you come from and how did you get here? <laughs> Well, I'm a native uh, Los Angelino. Okay. I was born and raised here. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think I ever set out to be in show business. I don't think when I was growing up here in the 60s and 70s that anyone really knew consciously that they could be in show business. It was just that thing that... 
Yeah, it was, was around, and my father worked in post-production, but it's not like we were in show business. Um, and then just one day by accident, honestly, I was looking for a job, and a friend of mine said, oh, I think my ex-boyfriend's brother is a theatrical agent. Why don't I call him and see if he needs an assistant? And I went, oh, okay. And he did. And I went in and interviewed for the job and got it. And it was just a fluke thing. I didn't even know what a theatrical agent did. So that's how I started my journey. And I spent, um, I would say, about four years there. I knew I didn't want to be a theatrical agent. I wanted to do something that was more creative. And the flip side of that was casting. That's who I had the most exposure to was casting directors. And I interviewed with a casting director who needed an assistant. And I started working in casting. And once I did that, I really felt that I found my niche, that I had, um, I had always grown up going to the movies every Saturday. My mom would drop me and my brother off and we'd sit there for the day, you know, watching films. And it was a big thing in my house. So it fit very nicely with. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It seems like a lot of uh, casting directors come through the agencies and realize that that's not their bag. Were there things that you learned in the agency world that you think helped make you a better casting director? Yeah, they, they, there's definitely crossover. It's, it's kind of the opposite end of the same coin. And I think it just depends, are you a buyer or are you a seller? And I'm a shopper, you know, so <laughs> I think that I was never a good salesperson. It was very hard for me to pick up the phone and kind of sell actors. And so, um, when I got into casting, you know, you used a different set of tools and muscles, and yet you had to learn how to sell because you wanted to make a difference with the actors that you felt were the most right for the role, which I do. I'm very proactive. There are a so lot of... So it's the sales now to the director, to yes, the producers, exactly. to the studio. To the studio, yeah. making a case, finding just the right piece of film that exhibits you know the quality that you may need in that role and sometimes there isn't a piece of film like that because that actor has never played that role so people go well how do you know they can do it and then you have to find a certain um you know a kind of a wider range of their work that may not show that exact role but it shows that they have diversity that they can play many different parts so okay so you got your foot in the door as an assistant and i love talking about first films first projects early projects it may not be your exact first but i stumbled across a smoky mountain christmas Yes, with Dolly Parton. With Dolly Parton, directed by Henry, Henry Winkler, uh, yes. which is incredible. Yeah, uh, It's uh, described as a magical yuletide tale. It's got Lee Majors, John Ritter, Anita Morris. <laughs> How did you come to work on this so early in your career? Well, you know, I worked with two amazing 
women who were my mentors, Jane Jenkins and Janet Hershenson, whose great they're body wonderful of work, human beings. Oh, they're yeah. they're amazing, and they really gave me a chance to work on a lot of different projects and cast them, you know, with them. Um, and that was how, you know. So, okay. yeah, that was those were my beginnings, and um, oh, I mean. There was a long journey up to working with Jane and Janet. But when I started working with them, you know, they were just starting, you know, they were doing John Hughes movies. Mm-hmm. We were starting Princess Bride and um, they were working with Francis Ford Coppola. I, it, it was an extraordinary time in their office with amazing actors who would come through the door uh you know Brad Pitt would be in my office for a little teeny tiny role I cast him in one line on a half hour sitcom I was doing and you know Vigo Mortensen like every every single actor who is famous today walked through those doors mm-hmm. and they worked with amazing directors you know at one time, they went on a worldwide trip. They said, I had been working there a couple of years. They go, we're leaving. We're going to take off for like, you know, two months or a month, and we're going to travel around the world. And I went, okay, great. And they're going, you're going to hold down the fort, and everything is pretty much done. I'm like, fine. On that day, I had a call from Fred Roos, who was working on a Francis Ford Coppola movie, and say, we need to cast this. And then John Hughes, who said, you need to come to the set and bring me five actors because we need to cast this role. And there was some other movie that I can't even remember that the same thing. And this was the day they left. Trial by fire. That's what it is. Yeah. And that forged a really, really strong career for you. I mean, I, I have to assume working with greats breeds greatness like that's that's a formula i think you can look through especially the entertainment industry see these lineages of directors working with directors actors working with other actors or acting coaches delineating down and i'm starting to see that with casting directors because you know the whole premise of this show was not many people know much about casting directors right and we want to open up the world to that and we're starting to see that. Like Jane and Janet are, they were huge. They did everything in the 80s and 90s. They massive yes, projects. They were. How and, long were you And they were you gracious and lovely. Yes, I worked for them for about four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my career was not a straight line. And, and even after I left there, you know, I had many ups and downs. You know, I, I left there and I started doing a lot of TV and I was doing a lot of really bad TV. Um, and I was dying to get back into, you know, feature films. And um, What sort was... of thing did those years teach you, though, of the, well, did you I, say I, bad TV? Yeah, but it, yes, it, it, when I say bad TV, that's terrible to mean, say. Though. But, you know, it, it, I did a bunch of pilots for Aaron Spelling that never got picked up. He always gave me his weird stuff to do, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, and I think I have that sensibility, which was fine. It was a little off his brand. Okay. Um, but he employed me a lot and none of those things ever got on the air which was fortunate for me because in the meantime I was doing these little independent movies and I happened to meet um, these writer 
producer directors this um, team Mike Pavone and Dave Johnson and I did a movie for them and from that time forward they wanted me to cast anything that they had and they then got a pilot for Steven Spielberg her show called High Incident okay and they wanted to hire me and Steven didn't which was understandable because, because if you looked, looked at my at resume at, at that, that time ah. yeah exactly okay so after Stephen offered the show to Jane and Janet, but they were working on Jurassic Park with him, so they weren't really available. And then he offered it to somebody else, and they weren't available. And these guys were so amazing because they just kept pushing. They just kept saying my name mm-hmm. until finally, you know, Stephen was like, fine, just hire her already. And that's, you know, kind of, it's a pivotal point, And I think Actors can relate to this, casting or whatever position you're in and wherever you're trying to go, once that door is open, you have to walk through it Mm -hmm. and you have to decide that you are ready to walk through it. And I knew that that was that opportunity. And also having somebody who's not just got your back, but is literally like your cheerleader. Yes, in every way. And so they made me feel like I could do it. And I prepared myself for that first meeting with him where we went through, you know, all the lead roles and went through pictures and resumes. And I had a stack two feet high of pictures and resumes. I went, this is this person and this is what they've done. And this is why I think they would be great for this role. And he, the meeting was supposed to last a half hour and it lasted almost two. And, you know, I think I really kind of blew him away with when preparation my preparation, meets right? And yeah. it was like, okay. And he goes, you know, just go off and do it. And then we, ha- we worked together through the season because it was really his baby. And um, he was around all the time. And we did all the casting together for every episode. And some weeks there were 45 roles that we had to cast. In a week? It was a very, it it was a show that was in many ways very much ahead of its time, kind of shot on the street, um, a lot of um, real people that were actors, but they may not have been great actors, but they were perfect for the part. Okay. You know, because they were portraying a certain, the 7-Eleven guy or whatever it was. So we had a lot of fun doing that. And then... He was the person that introduced me to Gore Verbinski to do Mouse Hunt. Mm -hmm. That was the first meaningful, kind of successful... Feature that you had done. Mm -hmm. Okay. And were there... What kind of lessons did you you take into that from all of the things that came before? Well, I think, again, it's just... Well, I don't know. I think you walk into these things, and I still do, with fear. It's just... Still? Yeah, oh, still. Every project I start. I am fearful. I am like, oh, I can't do this. And how am I going to do this? And it's what propels me forward. It's what makes me better. So instead of succumbing to it, you use it as a propeller. You use it to push Correct. you. Correct. Every time. It's, it's kind of great to hear you say that you're afraid too, because I think that that's something that everybody in this industry feels all the time. But then 
we look at your career and like no way she's afraid right not at all (laughs) well and just as you get too cocky believe me the business is here to (laughs) slap you down and tell you You why you should not be right (laughs) so yeah you know and i think me of course having that experience with steven um and he said you know i'm gonna make you a feature film director casting director and he said we won't always work together but I'm going to help you and start your career and he did and he gave me Saving Private Ryan to do which was you know unbelievable yeah well and and being that you're talking about it now let's just jump right into Saving Private Ryan because I'm uh, it's everybody knows it's a wonderful movie it's incredibly beautifully written and directed and paced and the casting the ensemble that you see in that film you see all of those people still and one of the one of the ones that's interesting uh not just because he's a mega famous super a-list matt damon but his movie goodwill hunting came out the year before it hadn't won an oscar yet how did you guys know like this is the this is the the pivotal character in this movie Right. Well, Stephen knew that. Stephen, you know, (laughs) I I mean, there is a reason that he is Steven Spielberg and he just knows. And I think the people who are great in this business, they have a gut instinct that you cannot define and you can't you can't quantify it. It just is. And, um, you know, he's he's able to make decisions about people in a second, um, about actors. He can see a performance, you know, for 30 seconds and go, that's perfect. That's it. And he won't even need to see anyone else. And I think, and then he knows when it's not right. So I think those things, I, I think he taught me a lot about being true to yourself and using your gut to go with things and not be afraid of that. Um, is that a, something that you can learn? The... I don't know if it is, because I've worked with a lot of directors who don't have that, who are very, okay, that was great, these people are fine, now let's see more people, or that person was great, who else is there? And once you get into that, that's when I come across those directors, I never work with them again. Out of your choice? or out out of, of, yeah. Usually out of my choice, and, and sometimes you know we know we're not a great fit. And it's not that I won't bring somebody as many choices as they want, but you can cast something for years and keep looking for somebody. And you have to know that if there are three great people, they're all going to be different, but they're all going to be great. So I, I, I feel like, you know, great directors that I've worked with, they know it, they own it, and they're not afraid to cast that person. Yeah. And I feel the same way. I mean, directors have asked me, how can you be so sure? How do you know this? And I just know. And so I feel very that, confident about saying that I know. Did you develop that? Or have you had that? Um, no, I think I've always had that. I think people who know me personally will say that I'm like that in everything. Okay. In, you're you're just decisive. Life. Very decisive. Okay. And I know what I like, and I know what I don't, and I think I know what's good and what isn't. Well, know? and that's that's one of the things that I think, uh, another thing that we've stumbled across, uh, the idea that 
the taste of a casting director is one of the main things that they have to trade on. Correct. So with you growing up here in Los Angeles, watching movies every Sunday, Saturday, what are some of the things that you contribute to your tastes? Are there things that you watched early on that you that you identify with still today? Yes, probably. Um, but I think, you know, there were only certain things. I mean, it was a very small pool of movies or TV shows that were available to you. And so you kind of watched everything. Um, so I don't... And I think taste can be refined, certainly. I don't think I started out with the taste that I have today in the same way. I think it it gets developed to a different place. But I think people that don't have it don't have it. Okay. You know. Yeah. It's why certain casting directors get an opportunity to do certain projects. It's why certain actors get the opportunity you just I does that sound egotistical no, I don't mean for all. it to be I because I, I don't, don't think, think so I, I mean I certainly don't feel that way about my work I just feel that I know what I like and you know absolutely uh, I don't think it's egotistical at all I think it's it is the truth of the situation there are people who have more refined tastes who look at certain things like if you ask Maria, ask anybody who's listened to this podcast so far, I like everything. I watch everything. I love it all. I I love movies and television. I can be critical, certainly, but also I'm from the Midwest. Like I grew up on sitcoms. I grew up on uh, procedural TV shows. I grew up right. on all sorts of things that people here, some some people that I know in LA, just turn their nose up to because it's not you know Oscar contention. Right, and that's fine. You're think, our favorite audience. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> right. Like the people back home yeah. are the people who are watching all everything. Right. Because there's there's a beauty in sometimes just escaping. Yeah. You're not jaded or cynical no. about it. Yeah. Absolutely not. Like Transformers, the whole series <laughs> would not exist if everybody was jaded. Right. That's true. It's fun. Yeah. It's it is a, fun. It's fun. And, and actually... Michael is one of my favorite directors to work with. Why is that? Well, I think, you know, we've worked together for so long, and um, he's such an interesting, complicated guy. Um, And in the beginning, you know, I just, and I'll say this, you can, if you're listening, Michael, you know this, you know, I, I, had a hard time with him I just hated him I didn't want to work for him anymore and you know our producer Ian Price who's kind of done all of our movies with us Michael is very loyal and he has a team of people that he loves to work with all the time and Ian said you need to come back he really likes you and blah 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 and so you know Michael can be a little bit of a bull he likes to push you he likes to test you and at some point, I just stood up to him and just basically said, you can't talk to me this way. You can't treat. And we developed a great rapport with each other. And we all, I also always 
was one step ahead of what he wanted. I knew what he wanted. I would stay on time. I, I figured out what it was that would make the relationship work. And I think I do this with every director. I don't force them to work how I work. I work how they work. And so okay. yeah. it becomes easier to, and more fun, to figure out somebody's language and go to that place with them. It's not as boring. It's not as rigid. It keeps you open. It keeps you open to new ideas. It keeps you open to new ways of doing things. And I think the way I am with Michael is not the way I am with Gore Verbinski. You know, the way I am, the way I worked with Tony Scott, who really was the person who pushed me the hardest in in the best possible way but he taught me to really be the casting director that I that I am today and as thorough as I am and kind of you know digging to the deepest areas that I could because of his personality and how he was what sort of things contributed to that well I think his OCT (laughs) he was he was he was obsessive compulsive in the most charming fabulous way and it could be very frustrating sometimes I mean the funniest story I tell about Tony and you know, I tell it all the time because when we for, when we did uh, Domino, you know, he wanted to cast. He was thinking about Gene Hackman for a role, and he had already worked with Gene like two or three times. But we had to sit and watch every Gene Hackman film for weeks until he decided that he would cast Gene in that role. And he would do the same thing with day players. We'd watch their auditions over and and he didn't cast Gene, by the way, because by the, by the time he decided, oh, it'll be Gene, Gene, I think basically said, fuck you, Tony. Like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> he taught me how, he taught me patience. He taught me how to organize, how, and how to make a case for. Because I then eventually saw, okay, I have to move him forward. I have to have enough confidence in this actor, and I have to be able to tell him why, why I feel this way. And that's part of what I do with Michael, too. We can sit down. We cast everything alone together. No one else is ever in the room. There are no producers that make decisions with us. And it's it comes down to trust and taste. And he has, Michael has very good taste. If you give him the best actors, he will pick the best actors and um, the fact that we can just do this together makes what I do joyous because most of the time you have 15 other people who are who want to make the decision with you and when I work with Michael it's just the two of us okay and you get to it, it, yes, it feels I more like a collaboration really between the, the two. cast and yeah. he trusts me and he'll ask me who do you like who do you want to cast and you know I always have an idea of who it who it is um, but then I have to explain to him why I have to show him the right film and I have to make him you know kind of see my point of view or I know his point of view he'll tell me what he wants and then I have to find that and bring it to him yeah you know so another, let's say, enigmatic director that you've worked with is Mr. Stanley Cooper. Mm-hmm. You worked on Eyes Wide Shut. 
another incredible movie. You cast Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman, Alan Cumming, Lily Sobieski. Well, I didn't. Some of those well, people came with the film. Tom yeah, and, and Nicole came I, with the I, I film. Just, and, but I have, yeah. a, I mean, I have a million questions about this film in particular. Uh, but we'll narrow it down to one: How did you come to be a part of this film in the first place? So I was working on, and I want to, if I remember the time period, I. Th- or maybe it was shooting. Maybe Saving Private Ryan was already shooting. And Stephen called me and said, um, uh, a friend of mine called me and he needs a casting director. Do you know who Stanley Kubrick is? And I went, yes, <laughs> I do. And he goes, well, <clears throat> he's having trouble finding a lot of the roles that he needs to, Americans that he needs to cast. And... Um, I told him he should have you cast those roles for him here. And I said, okay, great. I would love to. And he said, well, he wants to know, you know, how much you would charge. And I went, I have, I have no idea. I said, I, whatever you think, Stephen, tell, I'll, I'll do it for free, honestly. And he said, no, 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 he won't. No, you can't do it for free. Just give me an amount. And I said, okay, fine, $10,000. And he goes, okay, fine. I'll call you back. So he negotiated the deal with Stanley, and he called me back, and he said, okay, you know, somebody from Warner Brothers is going to call you or whatever, and I'm like, fine. And he goes, and then Stanley will call you. So I never had a script. I never saw a script. I cast the roles that I cast by talking to Stanley on the phone, him telling me what the role was, the type he was looking for, and explaining the scene to me and I had a wonderful assistant at the time a guy named Jeff McNally and he was a writer and you know kind of burgeoning filmmaker himself and I said Jeff this is the scene that Stanley just explained to me we need to find a scene from a play or from some other piece of work and then we need to we need to doctor it up or we need to or you need to write me a scene from this so that we can audition these actresses and he did so we developed our own scenes that were as close to what stanley had told me as possible and we had actors come in and audition and then we sent them to him and you know at that time everything was on vhs and it had to get packed up and it had to get fedexed to london where he would watch it and then tell me who he liked. So one of the things about Kubrick that I love, um, one that he's just, just this super hyper intelligent, uh, really thorough filmmaker, all about the details of everything. Uh, one of my favorite quotes about him, and I think it was a documentary that uh, Tom Cruise did the voiceover for, he said he never knew what he wanted, but he knew what he didn't want. <laughs> Was it that way when dealing with him, with working with him? Um, or was it because because of the distance at that time, because you're dealing with him in London, was it a little bit more clean of a back and forth between the two of you? I, I think he knew what he wanted um, to some degree. You know, for Lily's part, you know, I had a, a wide range of people I could 
I think he was open to some degree. I think he was open on a lot of things. I think he had an idea in his mind, but if you showed him something, you know, he, he just wanted to see good acting. And you could engage him in any conversation. I mean, he was very chatty if he had time and, you know, he would answer any question. We talked about some of his films and he was very forthcoming. He liked to talk about that. And, um, no, I think I think he was it was very easy to cast for him. I think once you sent him the choices and then, you know, if if he felt like he needed to see more people, that was fine too. You know, it was a process. Mm-hmm. But I didn't feel that it was difficult because he wasn't here. Or, you know, it's kind of freeing in a way. I mean, a lot of times when you don't have a director in the room and you can you're free to experiment and play around, it's actually, you know, kind of lends itself to a little bit more creativity than if you have to make a decision of actors are coming into the room for the director and they all have to be good and if the director isn't there then you can select the ones who are good to show him so okay um so with all of these fantastic directors that you've worked with over the years do you see any tying factors that that contribute to either their success or their uh, just ability to tell stories on on that level. Yes, definitely. I think the the best directors that I work with all have the movie in their head. They really they know what they want. The vision is there. You see things on the screen that were never in the script that you just go, oh wow, that was in his head when he cast this person or when he chose this location and I think all those directors have that confidence Mm -hmm. and that vision are there any tying factors because to the same point of you working with all these top tier directors you've worked a lot of times with a lot of different actors on at, at that tier do you see any tying factors with these actors who keep getting cast? Yeah, you know what? I think that for the most part, because there are many different reasons why people become movie stars, but I think they are truly talented. I think they're good actors. And um, they know what parts they should play. They know what parts they shouldn't play. Um, so there's an awareness of self there. I, I think there is. I think there is. I think with, I've seen a lot of A-list actors pass on roles that they didn't feel they were right for. And most of the time, I have agreed with their decision. And I've understood why they've passed. But I, I think the talent comes through. And I think also it's it's facile they're facile they it's not hard for them to become that character for instance when I was working with Denzel Washington on the great debaters it it was so great to work with him as a director and him being an actor and watching him direct the actors and you know he would pick up the sides and he would read with them and you would see that like the words just came out of his mouth without any effort and without him 
studying it or trying, he would just read it off the page and you could film it. And I think that that is part of what makes people who are at that level the stars that they are. You don't see them acting. They're mm. not acting. They're, they become that character. Hmm. I love that. Um, so another couple movies that I want to talk about. Where are we at? Right? Kill you on all of your time today. Um, so uh, another one that you worked with Mr. Spielberg on um, and one of two projects that you've worked with that are Philip K. Dick uh, stories is Minority Report. Mm-hmm. Uh, an incredible movie. I love Philip K. Dick. I, I love... Uh, what he was able to introduce to science fiction in general. First, I'm curious, are you a bit of a nerd when it comes to these things? Do you, are, are you, like, so, because I went back and I reread. No, the no? answer is no? no. Okay. It's all by chance. Is it? Okay, it because really you've is. worked on multiple Philip K. Dick, you yeah, work on a I lot know. of science fiction. It's all well, by chance. When I met his daughter for... Um, Man in the High Castle. <laughs> she said, I think you could be the person, the casting director who's worked on more things that my father has written. And I, that could be true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, with this one, I went back and reread the short story that it's based off of. Um, and it, it got me to thinking about the process of a casting director when you're dealing with something that has previous iterations that has uh, a background to it how much are you going back and looking at what was before never never you're just dealing with the script yeah i don't want to see if i haven't seen like when i did uh pelham one two three yeah i had never seen the original and i didn't want to go back and look at it because i didn't want that movie to inform what tony and i were doing because we were doing you know it was a different movie okay so i i i don't you know sometimes i read the book when i did water for elephants i read the book there are a lot of times i'll read the book because i think you get a deeper understanding of the characters from the book and a lot of times you know it lets you into a place in their character that you're not going to find in the script that helps you find the perfect person for the different roles so well, and with this one too, you worked with Spielberg. This was the second, the third time, I guess, you had worked with him. From you did the series, the TV series, and then uh, Saving Private Ryan, then Minority Report. Right. How is it that you've created return customers, if you will, people who come back to you and say, "I loved what you did on that." Is there? Do you think there's anything right. that you do? Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. Besides doing well at your job. Yeah, well, you know, I think like with Gore, you know, I met Gore because of Stephen and we've worked together ever since. Um, And, you know, we've also become friends over the years. And um, some of it is a personality thing. Some of it is just somebody that you click with and you want to be around. Uh, The other thing is a trust factor where they know that you are going to bring them the best people, that you have the taste that aligns with their taste. Um, 
yeah when i don't have repeat customers i for the most part it's i understand why it's a mutual decision um not in steven's case but you know he he told me early on that I, you know, we would not work together on every single thing. That's how he is. And that, that was great. He gave me the gift of my career at the level that it's at today. So well, I mean, the introductions to other people that that's. Yes. And having those movies on my resume, you know, is a calling card. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think I, you know, and now I have the luxury of, I work with the people who I want to work with. And um, it's great. And so I, you know, the older I get, the more comfortable I feel in my skin and, you know, a little less fearful. A little less. (laughs) I can imagine so. Yes. (laughs) Um, So another one that you've done here recently uh, was A Cure for Wellness with Gore Verbinski. Stars Dane DeHaan, Jason Isaacs, uh, Mia Goth. It is this genre-bending kind of gothic folk nightmare kind of a film right uh it's beautifully directed it's gorgeous like every frame in that movie is a painting um i want to talk a little bit about dane here Mm -hmm. so i'm curious one how you landed for him landed with him as the lead of a cure for wellness well i think oh gosh this speaks to a much longer deeper conversation about how people get cast which well, let's have is, that conversation. It, 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 it's beautiful and it's frightening and it's disheartening all at the same time. I think in this case, it was a, we started with a huge laundry list of every star and every person in the age range who I thought was right and every person who we thought the studio would have to see that you know their name on a list or whatever. And as Gore always does when we start out, he just thinks you know like. Um, he just makes me laugh because he's like there's no one on this list there's no one oh there's no one no one on the list no none of these people are right hopeless okay (laughs) so we'll go through let's go through let's sit down together and go through it so we go through and then we pare it down to like well maybe these seven people are right okay but then they're not right at all no none of these people are right and i'm like okay let me show you some film on some people. Let me show you some film on this guy, Dane DeHaan. He goes, well, he looks right. He's the one who looks the most right. I'm like, fine. So I show him film on Dane, and he goes, he's amazing. I'm like, yes. He goes, he's fantastic. Fine. What I want to meet with him. All, like a little smattering of all of his work. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because, again, there was nothing that was, you know, exactly what this character was, but he could see that with the range that he had from the different things that he had done, that this was a real actor. So that was it. And then they sat down and met and that was it. Okay. Yeah. I think for me, what he does well is stretch to fit some of these characters. And there, there are certain actors out there who get a chance to stretch. Mm -hmm. It's few and far between. Everybody thinks that they can play everything. (laughs) But like you said earlier, knowing what you can do and what you can't is important. But there are those who can stretch. What do you think it is that uh, contributes to an actor's ability to stretch and meet certain 
roles that seem different than who they are in real life or that are different than what they've played before? You know, I, I think that's an innate talent. And that's what's it. It's just like a gymnast. What makes somebody able to be actually be able to stretch an Olympian <laughs> or right? Yeah. It's the same thing. I, you know, I don't have it. Somebody else doesn't, but somebody else is, they're just born with it. And they can, and they can also develop it too over the course of time to some degree. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think people, you can always get better and hone your craft and work at your craft if you really want to. Well, um, and I think another good example of it is, uh, so you did 13 Hours, which was another Michael Bay production, um, and you cast Jim from The Office, John Krasinski, as a right. military guy, also, which you've never seen him before, right. and now he's doing more roles in that direction. I know. That's the best you know, kind of story and lesson for actors. And especially actors of his ilk. And what do you mean by his well, ilk? Well, you know, because he was kind of this TV star, right? And very likable and lovable. And you could see that he had talent and he was fun. And one thing I know about when I cast with Michael, there are a few things that people, he loves humor when an actor has, you know, a sense of humor. And so everyone I cast underneath, even if it's the most dramatic role, I need to know that they have a sense of humor or that they can do comedy because he's always going to want to ad lib or throw it. He wants to infuse that into the character. Um, so when his agent brought him up to me, um, and I knew that Michael, you know, he liked him as an actor because, too, that's the other thing with working with somebody for so long. You have a history together of you know, who people like and who they don't. And so there's a little bit of a shorthand. So I said, look, John could be great for this part, but there is no way that Michael's going to hire him unless he auditions. And he's not going to see him in person because he never does. He doesn't see them first. They always breed for me first. And so it was, you know, a little bit of a negotiation to kind of get him to do that. And I said, look, I promise him one thing. If he comes in with me, we will do it until we get it right and he feels good about it and I feel good about it and I can help guide him to the performance that I know Michael wants and that's how we're going to do it. How often is that the case that you're working with actors to guide them further when they when you see that spark of okay they've Most got a little bit. Most of the time, bit, yeah? all of the time. That's why I like working in a room without a director first. You know, and then, you know, with sometimes it's it, look, it's always great to have the director there because, you know, you want to know what their vision is. And sometimes I'm like, oh, is that what it, we're doing? OK, I need to adjust. I need to go in a different direction. Um, but most of the time, I think I get it. So, um, yeah, I do that a lot. And with John, it was just when he walked out, I said, that was a great audition. I sent it to Michael right away. And, you know, Michael likes to think about things. Things don't happen overnight and ta- and ask me why. Um, you know, why do you like it? Why do you think he's good? Why? And, and he's already got his own opinion. He just wants to hear it. And that was it. That was how we cast John. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm getting the five-minute warning now, uh, okay. which is kind of making me a little sad because I've got 
six more pages. That oh, we, I know. We I talk to too t- much. No, no, me. you don't talk enough. You don't. We just need more time. Uh, We're gonna have to do another episode later. Okay. Um, I'm trying to figure out which one to talk about here, uh, because there are a couple that I watched that I hadn't seen before. Um, and I think probably, actually, I think I want to talk a little bit about Killer Joe. Oh. You worked with Friedkin, which, again, you've you've worked with the best across the board, and it's it's fascinating to me. This film is based off of a play, right? Um, you've got Matthew McConaughey, Emil Hirsch, Juno Temple, Thomas Hayden Church, Gina Gershon, an incredible cast, all actors who I adore, and and you've got McConaughey who's coming off the heels of The Lincoln Lawyer which is the thing that kind of brought him out of the idea of, you know, the all right, all right, all right guy. Right. How did you come to him as this very dark character? Well, I came on board when Matthew was already cast. Okay. So, you know, Tracy and Billy had a relationship from Bug, and the movie was, you know, Billy had cast the movie himself. He had. He had. Okay. And, then, and he had one role, I think it was Juno's role, that he goes, you know, darling, I need you to come on board and cast like two roles for me. I think it was Emile's part and Juno's part. And, I, you know, I said, okay, because everyone else was cast. And then little by little, like everybody fell out of the cast except for Matthew. Mm-hmm. So Billy, that was Billy's genius. And Billy is one of the most amazing directors I've ever worked with and human beings and minds you know he's just amazingly smart and knows about so many different things and so that was him again he is I can't even get into Billy's head you know I don't know exactly how he comes to the place he comes to again he's another person who's very when he sees it he knows it and it's done and when he doesn't like it it's like no it's out you know so it's very black and white and i love that i think that's you like you decisive you like love yeah that so that you know that was him and you know kind of going through a bunch of different people and why he liked people and why he didn't and you know it's just it's a work in progress yeah yeah, I mean, well, the the cast that you landed on, I mean, it, it is literally, you know, Emil Hirsch, the movie he did, Into the Wild, is the reason I'm here in Los Angeles. Oh, really? Juno Temple wow. is incredible actress. Yeah. She doesn't get enough credit. Please, everyone cast her more. Right. Um, Thomas Hayden Church. Yeah, Tom is great. He's, he's such a good actor. I want to see him in everything. Yeah. Um, and then Gina Gershon, of course. Um, but it's interesting to me to hear that a lot of people fell out of this one because when you're working with somebody like Mr. Friedkin, do you have people just knocking your door down to come in and audition for that? Yes and no. I mean, I think the material was, you know, it's very risky. Yeah. And um, people (laughs) weren't getting paid a lot of money and it was, uh, you know, I have, I don't know. I don't know why they decided not to do it, but they made a mistake. They did. They did. It's a phenomenal movie. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about one last film. I know. I know, Maria. <laughs> but we've got to get to it because it's Big Fish. Oh, yeah. And it's 
it, it is if you haven't seen it go see it uh it's directed by tim burton stars ewan mcgregor missy pyle helena bonham carter marion cotillard uh billy crudup jessica lang steve buscemi danny devito albert finney you could go on forever yeah. um it is if you don't cry at the end of this movie you have no heart yeah it is a beautiful film um another great director that you got a chance to work with uh first off i have to ask would you want to know would you want to look and see how it happens how you know uh oh god that's a very hard question you know part of me does actually part of me wouldn't mind yeah exactly um it was such a great that script i after the first table reading we were all crying hysterically it's just always so moving even just did a read through and even just when I, it's a bunch of people around the yeah, table exactly mm-hmm. i i love that film and again tim's vision and the heart that he brought to it was extraordinary and his taste in actors is extraordinary and you know he's a true visionary in every way well when you come across something that's this wide this expansive with very specific character types with you know this kind of fantasy kind of vibe to it is that uh daunting is it exciting is it all of those things Yes, very challenging. And also there were three different time periods. So it was, uh, and of course we had the best people working on the movie. So when everybody is doing their jobs, the ADs, the produ- when you everybody is giving you the right information and working together, it all comes together. But it was daunting to put that cast together. And, How long was the casting process on that one? Um, oh, it was, you know... It was probably the usual, but it was very intense. You know, you're not working on multiple projects. You're working on that movie. You're going to Alabama and, you know, working on the small parts and helping to put that together with the local casting director. And, you know, it's just you immerse yourself in that world with those actors and people that can play both periods of time it you know it was it was just a really great experience mm-hmm. and it's one of the movies that I'm the most proud of well, so. and and you should be it's it's incredible um, I, I, like I said I've got a million more but we're gonna let you get back to work okay thank you so much for taking the time today it's my pleasure it's been a lot of fun thank you I am going to go watch big fish now And for the record, I definitely want to know. Did something we say pique your interest, but you didn't get a chance to IMDb it or write it down? Check out our website, placingfaces.com, for links to everything we talked about in the episode show notes. Also, please like, comment, subscribe, love, heart, thumbs up, and share the show. I think you really want to deep down inside. So let yourself. You'll feel better after you do. Tune in next week when we have a special episode of our series geared towards the RDS Awards. Placing Faces is powered by Collaborator.com, a media production service connecting media professionals to companies, brands, and agencies, allowing you to scale your production based on your needs. Video professionals find work and companies save money. Do you want to be a casting director? Or do you have a project that you need casting for? Check out our partners, the Casting Society of America, for more information. 
they have introduced us to so many of our guests while serving as a hub of information about this branch of the film industry. To learn more about the society and what it takes to get into casting, you can visit castingsociety.com. Thank you so much for listening, and be well. <laughs>